we are again. Another amazing week has transpired and uh, we're about to talk on racism again. And uh, you might well ask, well, why are we actually talking about this more than life? Um, <clears throat> well, the incredible thing is that our church is so multicultural. And I know that for a fact that some of our own church members have been privately kind of in pain this week just because of what's happening, you know, stirring memories and all those sorts of things. Uh, sadly, even memories of racism in our own church. And um, I'm sure, pretty sure some of us are also a little bit uncomfortable as, as we're challenged with our own thinking. I, I know I am. Why is this? What, what is God doing? I think it's because, you know, the world is in pain because God's moving around the globe. It's pretty, pretty phenomenal what's happening. Uh, even here in Australia, yesterday we saw the rallies for the Aboriginal people. It was absolutely incredible. And it's just amazing to see what is happening worldwide. Um, <clears throat> I think it's pretty clear to, to realise that God is actually using the black American plight of deep-seated racism mm -hmm. uh, to be the spearhead and lead the way in opening up a discussion that we can and we must no longer ignore, cannot, sorry, and we must not any longer ignore. Uh, Carbon is from America and is living right here amongst us. Love you, Carb. Um, he's doing church family with all of us. Um, and he is actually in deep pain. And I think we're going to hear a bit about that today. And because Carbon is, is kind of like our son, he's mm -hmm. one of our sons, not kind of like he is yeah. our son. Um, yeah. He's your brother. And he's one of our beloved pastors. And uh, you know, the Bible says that Weep with those, it says rejoice with those who rejoice, but weep with those who weep. And so when one weeps, we slow down and we weep with them. Um, <clears throat> so at Melbourne Life, I want to speak to you guys just for a minute. You know, we are so well fed every single week. So well fed in the word of God. Sometimes we get told we're way too theological, way too deep, way too whatever. So now, all of us very well fed, spiritually full believers are going to learn how to digest all of this biblical information that we've all learned over the years. And we, including myself, will learn together how to translate that learned theology into a humility-filled, lived-out life. So I think all of us are probably going to learn some things today as we hear Carvin's testimony. So my question to us as a church is, do we have the ears of a disciple, Melbourne Life? Because we may even learn some things that are buried deep in the underbellies of our own hearts. And I think that's good because that will mean the Holy Spirit's moving mm. in all of us. Hey, I actually personally believe this is the beginning of a revival. And so often we think that revival is going to be repenting about our hearts and our behavior purely towards God. But I think what we're seeing here and what God is showing us is that it's, it's actually about our hearts and our behaviors towards fellow human beings that actually hurts God the most. Why? Because when we hurt others, we hurt him. You know, even in, even in sexual behavior, we, we talk about, you know, when, we, we, when there's revival, people are repenting about sexual immorality. But even when you contextualize, contextualize repentance in the context, um, if I can say that twice, uh, with sexual behaviors, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, you know, even then, no man transgress and defraud his brother in this matter. Even then, God makes the sin of sexual promiscuity and 
crossing lines, it's about the other person. It's amazing. And it says, because Lord, the Lord is the avenger of all these things. And he says, just as we told you before, I solemnly warned you. So, you know, this is, this is close to God's heart. Um, you know, I've been, I feel like there's a real sense of, a new sensitivity even in people's hearts. I know that I've been saying to my, sorry to Brahma week for teasing him about his accent. You know, I've been married to him for 40 years. Um, and I tease him about his, and I correct his language, you know. Um, and he just I laughs at me. I need it. No, no, he just laughs at me and goes, whatever. It's, it's, don't be ridiculous, Di. But, you know, what? Well, I'm sure somewhere deep inside him, it must affect him and how he sees himself. And only God could do that. Only God could do that in me. Because I would have excused that before. I said, oh, yeah, no, he's fine. Yeah, But no, you know, I don't want to define my husband. I don't want to perfect his language so that we Australians can understand him better. Mm. If we can't read his character and his humility then forget about his perfect words yeah. grammatically, yeah? Um, so what I'm seeing yeah. is a groundswell of things that are most important to God's heart, which I believe is justice, mercy, and kindness. And I think we're going to see social justice is going to be a bit of a result of this. We're going to see it done God's way. So in all of this, I believe we're learning to be humans and what it means to love our fellow human beings more than ourselves. Mm. And so I want to give you some biblical truth that we can apply as we listen to Carvin. And we don't know how long this is going to go on for. We're literally just going with whatever God's put in front of us. And you know what? God has put Carvin right in the midst of us. But this is what it says. Jeremiah 9.24 says, But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Okay? Okay, great. We want to understand and know God. But how do we do that? And the rest of it says, that I am the Lord who ex exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. This is how we know how to understand and know God. Hosea uh, 12 verse 6 says, Therefore return to God. Well, that sounds like revival to me. You know, repenting of my sins. Well, how do we do that? Well, the next part says, observe kindness and justice. Yeah. That's directed to people. Right. That's yeah. not directed to God. That's directed to people. You want, to return, you want to return to God? Then we have to observe kindness and justice. Yeah. I can tell you now, I haven't seen a whole lot of kindness and justice from a lot of Christian people this week. Mm. I've seen, I have seen a lot, but I've been pretty disappointed in the lack of kindness and justice in their words. We won't talk about that now, but yeah. yeah. Micah 6 verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So in other words, our humility and our love for God, we say we love God, we say we're humble, well, it can't be separated from our works of justice and kindness towards people. We can't, we can't separate the two. We can't stand in church. We can't carry our Bibles or our, you know, open up our Bibles, quote scriptures at work if we don't show kindness, justice and mercy towards people and walk humbly. Mm. Zechariah 7 verse 8. 3 to 12 says this, Then the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says, has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion. There it is again. Each to his brother. And do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. And do not despise. That says a lot even about refugees but we're not here to talk about refugees today but there's a scripture for everything there's a biblical mm. truth for every injustice this justice that's happening in the world 
Do not despise evil in your hearts against one another. But they refused to pay attention and they turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. They made their hearts like flint so that they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath from the Lord came from the Lord of hosts. All right, so what, what do we do now? First of all, this is, this is your, your mum speaking here. This is your mother, everyone. Where's something to your mother? Number one, we listen. All right, we listen. We don't know everything. I don't know everything. I can't hide behind my ignorance any longer. I said that last week. I can't pretend to understand it all. I'm white. I'm white. And so I lost my right to an opinion right there when it comes to racial mm. matters. Mm. And we listen to what is happening now. Mm. Okay, we listen to what is happening now. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's listen to what is happening now. To be honest, Brahm and I have our own vile, putrid story of racism as a couple that we've never actually told publicly. But you know what? Now is not the time to focus on that. We need to listen to the cries of injustice now. And guys, we need to look where God is moving now. So we're going to camp here for a while and we're going to listen. Yeah? We're just going to camp here and listen. And I can tell you now, we will become way better people. We will learn to have the heart of God. Um, let's not become self-righteous and drown out the voices that are now being heard for the very first time in a very long time and let's watch where God is taking this let's be patient and hear what he is saying in all of this and I, I mentioned earlier about having the ear of disciple and, and you guys hear this in DMS I start off in DMS with the scripture in Isaiah 50 verse 4 and 5 the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word he awakens me morning by morning he awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Mm. The Lord God has opened my ear. And I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. So let him open our ears. Secondly, we reflect. And not rush to self-congratulatory pats on the back. So in other words, Diane, before I go mouthing off about how much good I'm doing to the other in my life, I need the Holy Spirit to shine the light on my own heart. And ask God to help me walk from any scent or smell of self-preservation and pride in my own heart. Sadly, I've seen a lot of white indignation this week. And I, I really feel like saying, guys, let's all, let's all listen. Let's just listen and let's reflect. You know, we, we've had quite a long time to say what we want to say. Let's listen to the voices that are speaking right now. Okay, and let's not continue to drown them out. So while we weep with those who weep, that we read before in Romans. It also goes on to say, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So let's go low in our humility and in our humanity. And we're going to join with those who are already crying out from rock bottom. Why? So that we can hear and see what God hears. And thirdly, we humble ourselves. Guys, all of us, every single one of us. Like I said last week, racism is everywhere. We humble ourselves to the person of the truth and we look for him in all of this. Let's look for him, everyone. Some of the blindest people on earth are the people who read the Bible. John 5, 39 and 40 says, You search and investigate the scriptures 
because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these very scriptures that testify about me. And yet you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. In other words, you and I can refuse to come to the very person of the truth even when he is right in front of us in the form of broken humanity. Why do I say that? I'm just giving a lot of scriptures today, guys, because this is what we're going to digest and learn to apply. Because in Matthew, Jesus said, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. This is Jesus talking. And you invited me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So remember, be of the same mind to one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So guys, I think this is a new season. Um, Ecclesiastes 3 says this, There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. And verse 7 says, A time to tear apart, and a time to sew together. A time to be silent, and a time to speak. I think that God is allowing a huge tearing apart to happen, but it means a sewing together is on its way. We have all been silent, myself included, for way too long, for a very long time. But now it seems that God is saying it's time to speak. So let's speak. Let's talk. So Carvin, I'm going to ask you how you're going after last week. And I'm not going to say let's recap because, you know, you're not a sermon title. Uh, you're not an opinion. You're not a headline. Um, you're not an overseas breaking news story that we can capitalise on. You're not a lab experiment. And you're not an emotionally relevant subject. You're my son. You're their brother. You are one of our beloved pastors. You're family. And when you hurt, I hurt. That's right, yeah. We all. When you hurt, we all hurt. Okay? So, Carvin, I have a few questions for you. How are you feeling since last week? Uh, you can probably see that now. Um, yeah, it's been a very, very long week. Um, for me, it's, it's, I didn't know what I was walking into last week, to be honest. Um, because what I've been through is, you know, it's what I've been through and I've learned, I'll tell you later, but I, I've learned how to, um, suppress and bury yeah. and keep moving forward but I think um, for me uh, this this past week has been just a week of being just yeah it's, it's been a, a week of being broken yeah. um, I've been broken you know as an African American, I've been broken way before I got here. Yeah. I came in broken. Yeah, you did. You were born broken, Carmen. But when you grow up and you see the same thing over and over again, you learn how to just put it, compartmentalize it, you know, and just keep moving forward. Um, but God, God didn't. Um, he, he didn't let me do that this week. Wow. 
and it's been the most freeing thing, but it's been such a painful road. Um, you know, all the people that we've lost, kids, grown-ups, family, fathers, um, husbands, boyfriends in our community and our my people that share the same skin color as me. Um, injustice, you know, I've, I've just kind of looked away from it in, in a sense of we know the story. We, we see the same thing. And I really had an experience and an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit. We love to talk about amazing encounters, but we don't talk about the pain. Yeah. Because when God gives you an experience, it's always, it always feels like there's some pain involved because he's trying to bring us back to that moment of what it feels like to be human. And um, God was just showing me how even, even in me, just when you see the horrific violence that has happened because of the people that you trust to protect you and they don't, they kill you. Um, you don't want to see that. And God was really pushing me and saying, no, you need to, you need to look. And I could see myself just turning my head. As I started looking again, all of this, all of this pain started coming up. You know, I, it's not that I'm trying to make make people feel bad, but we have to understand that you can't be healed without being broken. Yeah, wow. So I had to look at, you know, the names, like the Trayvon Martin, like Sean Bell, like Sandra Bland, Michael Brown, like Philando Castro, like William Chapman, Jamar Clark, Terrence Crutcher, Mandu Diallo, Sam Dubois, Eric Gardner, Malice Wayne Green, Oscar Grant, Freddie Gray, Akai Gurley, Eric Harris, Rodney King, Abner Lewins, Jeremy McDowell, Laquan McDonald, Tamar Rice, Walter Scott, O'Shea Terry, Kelly Thomas, George Mann, Tyree Crawford, Peter Gaines, Tony Robinson, Philip White, Breonna Taylor, Antoine Ross, Alton Sterling, Kelly Thomas, Troy Robinson, Tara Thomas, Kevin Hicks, Demarcus Simmer, Botham John, Atiana Jefferson, Ahmaud Aubrey, George Floyd. These are people that have died. Family, fathers, kids, boyfriends, husbands, and they should still be here. So you ask me how my week has been. My eyes have burned because of how many tears I've cried. Did I know these people personally? No, but I don't have to. 
because we're human. I feel it more than most people because I'm the same skin color. And the target has been on us because of our skin color. And it's just too much. So yeah, yeah, that's how I've been feeling. Um, you know, I've, I've, a lot of people have, you know, sent messages and, you know, crying and searching their own hearts and which I, I, I know it's God because that's what matters for people to search their own hearts, for, for God to, for people to allow the Holy Spirit to show them what's in them. And I got an email that I wanted to read from a woman that I thought was really, really powerful. Um, and it brought me to tears and I'll just read it if I can. And she said, I don't have any other way to contact you. So I'm sending the email through the office. I am still thinking about what you shared this morning in church. And this was last week. I am sorry for what you have been through. I have grown up in Tasmania, a state where an entire in indigenous population was wiped out by British colonists. There are many stories of their brutality. It was totally accepted for white men to go to church on Sunday morning then go out to hunt afterwards and kill aboriginals in the afternoon. The bounty on aboriginal heads was higher than that on the head of our other extinct species, which was the Tasmanian tiger, who were blamed for killing sheep. There was even a quote unquote black line policy where a line of soldiers was told to sweep down from the north to the south of the state through all the bush in order to catch all the natives who were then to be transported to an island off Tasmania and kept safe. They caught two people, I think. The Aborigines knew how to hide in the thick bush. They, there was a specific island set up for any other natives. Some of the elders still alive today grew up there. Of course, we were never taught any of this in school. The aboriginal descendants who survived often have to prove their heritage to obtain benefits of grants or benefits or grants. This is in a culture where no written records were kept of families. Honestly, as a white child adult, I have not had much to do with the Tasmanian aboriginals. And all my knowledge comes from doing prayer journeys around Tasmania. Approximately 20 years ago, a team of British intercessors came to Australia and went around the country repenting. They didn't come trying to give their doctrine. They didn't come trying to change the person. They came repenting, apologizing, saying sorry for the many wrongs that were done. I was privileged to be part of the team that went with them to repent to the Tasmanian Aborigines for our treatment of them, both historically and currently. We also went to Port Arthur and the British repented for the brutality of the system they brought over then. They are probably two of the most moving times of intercession I have ever experienced. 
But it's no good praying if we don't do something as well. I have not done something or anything. Your testimony and watching the riots on TV has made me start to ask God, what can I do? Not ask me, but ask God, what can I do? What does it mean to live in peace and godliness when such obvious injustice is happening? Carvin, I have no idea, but thank you for making me think about it again. And that is what moved me. Because I realize I'm willing to sit here in front of you and be vulnerable and be broken, not because I want to, but because I know if God is speaking and breaking me and I hear this, it's worth it. Because it's waking us up to what it looks like to be Jesus in the form, which he was in the form of, which is humanity. So that's how my week has been. Can I ask you some more questions? Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, because not many people would know really the depth of your background. Um, so I'm going to ask you, were any of your family slaves? And also, where did your name come from? Yeah. Yeah, my, um, my name comes from a slave owner. Um, most of us, if, well, you're, you're talking over 10, you're talking over 12 million that was taking, taken from Africa and brought to the Americas. How many? Over 12 million. Wow. And, wow. and it was about two, two and a half million that would have died in the transportation because you're going from one side of the Atlantic to the other, yeah. which is why it was called the transatlantic slavery, slave okay. trade. But my name comes from a slave owner. Um, and yeah, he, he was, he was a Methodist preacher who, who married a woman that was well off. And when you're well off in the South, you would have had um, a plantation and you would have had slaves because slaves were seen as commodities. Slave, it was the workforce. It was what you used to profit and to build wealth. Uh, so when he married, he married into a family that had eight slaves. So he had, he would have had eight slaves personally marrying the person that he was marrying. It was like when you were wealthy, you were given wealth. And a part of that wealth in that day, you're given black people as property. So it's anything, you know, you write a will and, you know, you have property, you want to give it to your children. Well, we were considered property. So that's what they gave to their children. So the woman he married, she was given eight slaves. And the reason I have the name I have, because it was through the name of the owner, that's how they identified their property. 
we were identified by the slave owners. If you ran away, then they would brand you, whether it was on your arm or your buttocks or your shoulder or your hand, because that would mark this is someone who has run away. And when you run away, this is how we track you because you're property. You're not people. So no one had names. Those 12 million people were not referred to as names. No, no, they were referred to. You put them on the block when you get them in America and they were referred to as numbers. They were referred to as property, as animals, as something that we'll use to give us, whether it's tobacco, whether it's um, cotton, whether it's rice. We were a commodity. The thing is, you used us to build your farm system. You use us to build your agriculture. And that's how it was. So we, that this is where my name comes from. And most people didn't, they didn't know what to do when the slaves became free in the abolition period, when that happened, when the Emancipation Proclamation happened in 1865, I think it was, then they were able to actually have their own papers when it came to what their names were. But most of them weren't educated. So you may see names that weren't spelled the same way as, you know, the names that they, those names that they were given. But the thing is, they would keep them because that's how they would identify themselves personally and be able to trace back to where, you know, their sister or their brother or their uncle or that that's how you trace back your own lineage. The thing is, when you had a Williams, when you had a Washington or when you had a, a, a very common name, it just meant whoever it came from had many slaves. But my name was unique because it wasn't very common. It's not spread out like that. So it's easy for it's easier to an extent for me to kind of trace back where it starts for me. It starts in Mississippi. It starts with someone who preached the gospel and yet was an advocate for pro and pro slavery. And it wasn't so much that he was that from the beginning, when I read the history, he comes from Ohio who had nothing, but he married into wealth. And so when you see it, this particular commodity or property or yeah, I like them as who they are, but I'm not willing to let them go and be human because you're benefiting my greed. So even though I'm not trying to be incredibly greed, greedy, I do have a convenient or a level of comfort that I want to stick behind and say, okay, this is how we live. So let's keep them down in a sense of keep treating them like the property that they are. And so that's how it was. And that's how it even is now. So who was it? Who was the slave? So my, it would have been the parents of my great, great grandfather. He was born during the reconstruction era, which is right after 
the Civil War, the abolishment of slavery. It's amazing how when you're trying to free slaves, there's a war involved. Because one side of the country sees us as profit and property, whereas the other side of the country is trying to see us a bit of human and people. So you have the Civil War and then you have the Reconstruction era, which is trying to build the country back up and include us, include us in the building of that country. How do we now, since they're free, get them involved in a society where we've controlled and dominated the entire time? He was born during that period. However, he left Mississippi and migrated to Detroit where I'm from because even during that time, that's when the birth, not even the birth, but the, the um, growth and the exposure of hate groups like the KKK, um, like different people because now you can't legislate it on paper. So now you're gonna run through it and try to take what we've always been seen as, as animals and kill them. So in his case, there was an incident where, you know, one of the slave masters or whoever went and hit his child or beat his child, however it happened. And he said, no, this is not happening. And that's when they left. It wasn't okay, you know, let's see them as equal. It still was no equality. It was just on paper, and we don't want to let them be who they should be, so we're going to continue to treat them the way they do, and it's like, no, we're, we're just, we're just going to relocate. How did the Constitution view the African American? Yeah, the Constitution. Same Constitution that people look at and so patriotic about saw us as three-fourths human and wrote that in the Constitution. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think when you talk about Constitution and about I mean, America, the a lot of Americans are, you know, you hear with, you know, through media and all that, they're so proud about our constitution, but the problem is with the law and there's a, on a piece of paper, I've said it before many times, problem with the law, it, it is subject, you, you humanize the law, and because of that, the law is subject to humans' interpretation and manipulation, now, however you want to interpret it. It becomes a debate, and I think, the problem in this sort of situation, everybody conceptualizes this whole thing you know, through the media, through, you know, through social media, and I'm sick of it because my thing is like, hang on, we're talking about real human experience, real things, and like in one of the statements I made is that whenever there's an injustice, it will always be met with a sense of uh, grief, anger, or even rage. But I think in the context of family, 
those sort of real feelings happen, even though they're not right. But but we have to make allowance for that room. We call that relationship. And <laughs> as parents, we kids sometimes will, will express their their pain, and sometimes this the disproportionate expression. However, in the safety of relationship, because we're family, we make room for it. And as I read, you know, all these different people, they talk about the the demonstration and and even some Christians like the question: Should Christians demonstrate? Well, let them express themselves. And sometimes part of the healing is the expression of how you feel. So. Uh, yeah, and I think the the crazy stuff about this thing is something that is wrong becomes a norm, and yeah. that is wrong. Yeah, that is what's wrong. Yeah, because we tolerate it. It's yeah. it's been tolerated. It becomes a norm, and become and it's systematized. Yeah, and as a church, I think we cannot tolerate. That's why any of you hearing this, like, oh, if that's in America, or no, it happens in Australia, it happens in New Zealand. And happens any different level. We're speaking from a point of view as the body of Christ, family of God. We will not tolerate this, yeah. and we will not make it a norm yeah. in the body of Christ. So, you know, racism is everywhere. Like I, I said that last week, but there's a special kind of wicked, <laughs> a special kind of evil about the specific strain of the racism virus in America. I mean, we watched Carvin this week. We've been doing daily checkup calls with him sometimes yeah. twice a day. Yeah. It's brought up something, a grief in him that he's just tolerated and carried. And he's like, I don't know what's happening. I'm like, but Carvin, of course it's happening. It's in your blood. It's in your people. It's in every discussion you have. It's in every frame of reference you have. It's in the way you carry yourself in a car, you know? Even in New York this week, you know, until people's position is recognised, that they, they just see a black man. There was a black man caught and pepper sprayed and, and arrested in New York until they realised he was one of the black senators. Yeah. And then they went, oh, sorry, and it's no different to you. No. Oh, you were arrested, and then they said, oh, your name's Winans. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, it's sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's so wrong. And... Um, but, you know, this is happening, it's at the core of the human heart. But the tragedy is that so much of it has come from the church. Yeah. That's, That's yeah. why some of the blindest people on the earth are the people who read Bibles and then they propagate their doctrines and they weaponize their yeah. doctrines. And it's wrong, guys. It is wrong. And we've got to learn to listen. Yeah. So... I don't know if you have any more to say on on a bit. You said people who read the Bible and like somebody put a, a thing and I sort of jokingly sort of put my, my bit into it saying, you know, talking, Are you talking about, about social media. Yeah. 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 Uh, Donald Trump's uh, love for the Bible. And, and my, my statement in that is that just because you hold the Bible, it doesn't make you a Christian. And just because she, as a matter of fact, just because she quotes scriptures, it doesn't make you a Christian. No. Satan did that. Yeah. And he, he, he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> yeah. So it's, 
whether you keep the word of God or you obey the word of God or not, that's and the fruit of it is how you treat people. It yeah. really is that simple. Yeah. So. And I don't know. You know, our job is never to tell people how to vote politically or what they should think politically. But guys, there comes a point. You know, there's a time to be silent, and then there's a time to speak. Yeah. And it's time to speak. Yeah. And the Christian church, the white Christian church, has to wake up. We can't weaponize our doctrines, our pet doctrines. For the sake of people, That's it. it's not going to go well in front of God. I can tell you now, he's getting ready. It's not going to go well if we're defrauding people because we want to make ourselves feel comfortable because of our pet, right. pet doctrines. And if we trade with this kind of stuff and we sell out people and humanity that are crying out just because we want our pet doctrines met, no, it doesn't work that way. Mm -mm. It's justice. It's mercy. And it's kindness that has to be displayed to all humanity. And Jesus takes this very, very personally. And, you know, I, I put a call out on social media this week and the, the, <laughs> the onslaught was crazy. You know, calling any Christian pastors in America who were giving in to the Christian stunts that were basically calling for a very, the word domination and allowing a mindset of domination like, wake up, let's look, we've got a whole people group, right? That's what I'm saying. Let's look at where the light is shining right now. There's an entire people group for over 400 years have never really been heard properly. They live and breathe and walk in the very air of domination. And we're cheering on someone who's calling for domination. Like, come on, church, Western church, let's be healers. Let's be healers. Let's be ministers yeah. of grace. So, yeah. Let me, let me say this. That, that language, domination of other people, that, is, that shouldn't be in the language of any Christian whatsoever. Right. Because that is the language of animals. That's why we have the term pecking order. Yeah. Because one animal can dominate the other. That's yeah. how they do it. Mm. No, no, no. Humans should ne never do that, especially Especially Christians. in the church. In the church. That is not the language we use. Sorry, I'll get worked up. Yeah, well, we should get worked <laughs> up. It's time to speak. And um, it's everywhere. Okay, so Carvin, you've talked about, and I've heard people say that it's institutionalized systemic racism. Yeah. Um, so personally, I've just got, this is my last question, I suppose. So you say what you need to say. Personally, what does that actually look like from your point of view? Um, so it is more than just a concept for us. Let's, let's kind we'll of see get that, a feel for the reality yeah, of it. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. It is so many things that people want to throw out and, you know, think they understand institutionalized systemic racism because these words you put together and it sounds big. But the reality of it is when, when you have a group of people from the beginning, you know, when it comes to territory that you want to dominate. It's all about territory. In the beginning, when you, when they migrated in 16th, 17th century, whenever, you're doing it for the purpose of what can we get so we can dominate. So you Europeans, they go to Africa, they take the gold, they take the ivory, they, they take, it's not a fair trade. You're going to colonize and you're going to take something that actually does not belong to you. Uh, but you do it in the name of Christianity. When I mentioned the slave castles last week, what I didn't mention was 
they had a little chapel and a little church that sat on top of the slave castle. So whenever they did what they did when it came to the treatment of black people and the way they saw black people, black Africans as animals, packed them like sardines in dungeons. And when they took the women, take them out, hose them down, rape them, put them back and then go up in the church and worship. They would take the Bibles and actually force conversion on people because if they're Christian, then we can use them in our way of gaining the territory because it's about territory. It's about property. There's a game in me? Europe and in, in dominate and they would use these terms dominate, put them on the boat, get them to the Americas because it's no longer about the the material as far as the gold yeah they built the ghana castles to store the gold that they were already stealing but it became about african people and getting them over because we want to use them as slaves because now if we have slave labor we can grow our territory and become the wealthiest people because we want to monopolize we want to dominate we want to be the people that are seen as the richest and the greediest and take everything that is ours at the expense of others you talk about capitalism this is capitalism this is the heart of capitalism you're doing it not to benefit people but to benefit yourself at the expense of people and who's at the expense we are you build America on our backs you don't get to enjoy the America that you love you don't get to enjoy the music the culture you don't get to pick and choose what artists you like that comes out of America and not see the hurt that is coming from us because you built what you love so much on our backs so you say well this is Australia we don't have to deal with it no 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 you don't you're not running now you can't turn your head away from what's happening because you don't like the violence that you see that we've had to live with every single day of our lives, that we've had to live with for over 400 years. Because this is a human issue. Yes, it is. And you want to tell me, well, you know, we need to get over it. We need to let Jesus in. We don't need to judge. What are you talking about? The judgment has always been on us. This is how they've kept us quiet. This is what institutionalized actually mean. You built in us. Do what we tell you and don't rock the boat. Just go and build it and we'll give it to you. So you, you, then you have a problem with the looting. You have a problem with the right. Well, that's not going to get anything that you're destroying property. The property's never belonged to us. We've actually been the property. We've been the property you've used to build your property. That's the problem. So you're trying to keep us in order and in line because you don't want us to erupt. And yet you keep giving us the same rhetoric. You keep giving us the same story. And I'm not talking about the ones that are in the world. I'm talking about the ones that have done it in the name of the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, the church. Well, don't judge that man. Don't judge Trump. He's God's man. Will you tell me how? 
How? How is he God's man when he's the one holding the Bible up and saying dominate? How is he God's man when he's the one saying when the looting starts, the shooting starts? How is he God's man in our eyes? How can you justify something and someone who is so completely insensitive to human beings? We are the good. If you look at the story of Jesus saying and the man asked him, how can I inherit the kingdom of heaven? Jesus says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. But he didn't leave it there. He said, love your neighbor. Yes. Yes. So the man that asked him, well, how do I love my neighbor? He didn't do it with sincerity. He did it to dignify himself. So Jesus played along and actually gave him the answer. When you see someone who this man coming from Jerusalem to Jericho was taken, beaten and left for dead. This is what happened. Who passed him? The Levite. Oh, that sounds like the church. Who walked by him? The priest. And not just walked by him, saw him and went to the other side of the street and walked by. What does that look like in today? You look at the news and you see a man laying on the ground like a hog, tied up saying, I can't breathe. And you'd rather turn it off because you want to say it's not close to me. So you walk by. Wow. But we're bleeding. Yeah. We're tired of bleeding. Yeah. All you have to do is just be human. Yeah. Come like the good Samaritan did. Bind up the wounds. Who cares if he's a Samaritan? It doesn't matter. The whole point is he went and helped a brother. Took him, put him on his beast, took him to the end and stayed with him, dressed his wounds, looked after him, but he didn't stop there. He paid the person and said, you look after him and whatever it cost, I'll pay for it. Because you know what? Material thing doesn't matter when it comes to God. This is why we're given resources to actually help one another. Stop telling me and giving me statistics about what it looks like. Well, you say you can't do this, but the stats say you're able to do this now. Oh, pick yourself up. That's not what's really happening. You're giving me statistics by the same people who have dominated us. So stop telling me the same thing. It's the rhetoric. It is the rhetoric. We're tired of it. You're right. It is institutionalization. It's institutionalized because we're built to be quiet. Yeah. We're built to be quiet. So even now, even come up to even coming up to this in my structure, I'm built to say, okay, well, Lord, you just do it. You just do it. You'll find a way to do it. But I don't have to really say much. But my blood is crying out. I can feel it. I can hear it. And for the first time, I'm actually feeling. I'm feeling because of all the ancestors that have come behind me have held on to the one thing, which is the truth. And that is the gospel, no matter how it was presented to them and the perversion that it was presented and the wrongness that are presented and the hatred for the profitability of the people that was giving it to them. They still knew the truth was Jesus and they held on to it. But the screams and the blood and the cry is coming up through me and I cannot be silent silent anymore it is the hatred that exists that has to be completely destroyed so you talk about faith you talk about charity you talk about all these things but love as paul mentions it is the greatest thing that we can show you want to talk about the prophetic 
You want to talk about what the church should be doing? It is the right now. It is the right now. I see more church out in the streets that are protesting than I do see in the walls and in the benches and in the stained glass windows. And we want to be so concerned about getting back in the building where a cry for someone who's saying, I can't breathe, is laying there and everyone standing there is just looking because we don't know how to go after and help our fellow man. Quit saying and talking about getting back into a building and love people just love people because the people are the church quit worrying about money quit worrying about how many members you have and love people because I can tell you those people protesting don't want anything to know and have anything to do with the Jesus that you are giving them because you're hitting them over the head instead of listening and looking at the pain in their eyes and looking at how they have been treated and dominated and not saying you know what I am the problem because I've been silent and I have not said anything just like we're structured to be the way we are White people are structured to be the way they are. Dominate. Look at your own heart and get it out. Because that is the revival. Yeah, that is the revival. We have to come together. But you have to listen to what has happened and quit bringing up stats and hiding behind those stats. I'm so sick of people in the social media realm looking up stats, liking foolishness, and being cowards, and not actually standing up for true Christianity. True Christianity is look at the hate in your own heart and let God deal with it. If it's there, it will be painful. Because guess what? It's painful for me. But take it to the cross and let's get through this and watch the power of God be demonstrated to the world can run to us because they see what the real church looks like. Not a church of domination, but a church of equality and love. That's what it takes. We will not be quiet anymore. You can't control people and you definitely cannot control black Americans. You like what we give you when it's entertainment, but you have to take this too. Because if you want change, you got to feel the breaking. Let let me me address something here. Something theologically that is believed by many Christians, including Australia, not just America. This is nothing, this is not a political statement, but this is a theological issue. I've heard so many Christians claiming that Trump is like the Cyrus, okay? The Emperor Cyrus. And Cyrus' situation was, he was there positioned by God in that time frame, strategically God in his wisdom, positioned Cyrus for the preparation for returning of the, the, the Jews so they can rebuild the temple, all right? So they said, Trump is like Cyrus. Let me say this. We don't need a Cyrus. We've got the Christ. No more Cyrus. This is a new covenant. That was the old covenant. And to rebuild the temple, we are the temple. And who is the builder of the temple? Jesus is the builder. So any theological thing about Trump, nothing against Trump, but Trump is a Cyrus. We don't need a Cyrus. 
We've got the Christ and the Holy yeah. Spirit. And we are the temple. Yeah. So that theo theology, and, and because that wrong theology, that's why people exalting him. Yeah. It's like, yeah. are you kidding me? They're using him. It's They're like, really? That's yeah. it. Yeah. It, come, it comes back yeah. to the church. Yeah. You so, tell me, oh, well, yeah. you, had a black, you had a black president for eight years. We've been dealing with this for over 450 years. Yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? It's, it's so disproportionate. Yeah. I even heard people say, well, because Trump, that's why Trump moved the, was planning to move the capital city of Israel to Jerusalem. He said, so because. The... Yeah, oh, capital so city. Oh, well, so that's the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 And because. Because in preparation for Jesus' return, so you know, so Israel is set up, and I thought, what the heck? I said, you know what? If Jesus wants to come to Jerusalem, do you think Hamas can stop him? Do you think Iran can stop him? Who who's gonna stop Jesus if he's gonna return to Jerusalem? We don't need to set up anything. What we need to be praying is our hearts before Jesus coming. See, this is the problem. The really? church is becoming so self-focused, and I feel like the church has got so much to answer for because we're trying to protect ourselves, but anything that smells of self-preservation is ugly before God. And we need to stand up. We need to stand up yeah. for truth, and we need to stand up for mercy and justice yeah. and kindness. Yeah. And I think, I think we're going we're gonna to start, or I'm just going to start from here, and that is number one. In, in our standing at the beginning is we are not going to tolerate any sense of any sense of any smell of this we will not tolerate yeah we will deal with it yeah all right and we got to keep on talking about it yeah so yeah we have to and and, and if you're asking the question yeah. well what can i do the first thing we need to do is allow god to break our own hearts yeah, yeah. good Carly. that's good I shouldn't have to tell you what to do after that. If you see a bully bullying someone, are you going to wait for someone else to tell you what to do? Or are you just going to get involved? Yeah. So we have to allow God to break our own hearts. Repent for whatever he shows you. You don't have to be a racist to repent. No. But if you turn away from it, you need to repent. That's right. Yeah. We all need to repent. Yeah. But people, it has just gone too far, too long, and we're tired of it. And we will not be quiet anymore. So it should make you uncomfortable. Because when Jesus came, he came for the brokenhearted. He said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach, to heal the brokenhearted, to give sight to the blind, to set the captive free. All of those things in common have to do with people. Yeah, it's about people. I think we've rung you out enough. <laughs> I think good. you might have Fair another enough. big week ahead of you, Carlin. Yeah, because there's more. Do you want to keep talking it's, it's, or are you done? No, I'm, I'm, I'm done for now. It's, it's, yeah. it's been such a system. And it has been the enemy. 
but now I'm, I kid you not, I can hear and feel the screams and the cry that yeah. comes from my soil. And I cannot ignore it. No. No more. No more. <sighs> All right. Well, I think we're going to have communion. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when we celebrate communion, you know, we we celebrate Him. We celebrate the body. And I'm going to quote Carvin. He said to me yesterday on the phone. It was so precious. He said. Jesus wrapped himself in the very thing that he was trying to save. He was human. So let's just lower ourselves and remember that we are all human. And that we're also joined in one body. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. Let's grab some biscuit. Just grab some bread, yes, toast Lord. if you've got some, yes. donuts, whatever you've got. Just anything to symbolize. Yes, Brian, why don't you pray this time over our communion as we as yes. we go to eat and drink? Father, we come, Lord, as we have we come to that this remembrance of you. This is a point of unity, Lord Jesus. We don't want to be like the church in Corinth, Lord, but but communion became a, a point of division, Lord Jesus, because they neglect the poor, they neglect the other privileged in, in, in the book of Corinth, in the church of Corinth. So, uh, but now, Lord, we want to make it a point of of, uh, of unity, but in, in this, Lord, on behalf of the, the church, the broader church, Lord, we repent, Lord. Yes. If we, in many ways, Lord, even the slight bit of it, that we tolerate these things, Lord. It's not going to happen, Lord. We repent. We want to, because we are all part of one body. Yeah. The body that we are partaking now. Yeah. We are one body, Lord. As we partake of this body and partake of the life of Jesus, in, in the blood of Jesus, we thank you, Jesus. Let's eat and drink together.